He played twice this weekend with different players in and out of the lineup, but the result was the same. Two back-to-back losses. What stood out for both games? And is there already cause for concern? But there were positive takeaways from Bam Adebayo to rookie Jaime Hawkins Jr. And we break down the good, the bad, and look ahead to big matchup versus the Milwaukee Bucks on today's episode of Locked on Heat. You are locked on Heat. Your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg. You're joining me, as always, David Mill. however you're tuning in. YouTube, Odyssey, your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. All right, the Heat went 0-2 over the weekend, dropping games in Boston and Minnesota. We're going to talk about the positive and negative takeaways, then look ahead to tonight's primetime matchup against the Bucks. But let's jump just right in. Uh, the Heat lost to the Celtics 119 to 111 on Friday. Then they lost to the Timberwolves 106 to 90 on Saturday. Again, positive and then negative takeaways, David. We're going to start with the positives here uh, on the Sunday night slash Monday morning, depending on when you're listening to this. What do you got for positives? Uh, I think I'll start off with Bam Adebayo. I think he looked excellent in both games. Really aggressive, continuing his just aggressive style, getting to the line, getting the superstar calls that you and I have been talking about for the season. And he just looked really, really good. His defense has been as excellent as ever. But to see him kind of continue, look, has this been years of fans clamoring for this? Last year it was somewhat inconsistent. Yeah, he only had 19 points against the Wolves, but overall just so hugely impactful. And again, I think he's still just shown much more comfort and I think it was brought up in the broadcast but you and I have said this again many years for now that whenever Bam Adebayo faced taller centers like Carl Anthony Towns and especially a defender like Rudy Gobert those were the games where he kind of would wilt maybe not necessarily be as aggressive struggle with his shot that was not the case against Minnesota on Saturday night he was comfortable he, he took the avenue when it was open to him in the lane was able to score at will at the rim. If the shot was there from the mid-range, he took it. He would wind up taking a three-point shot, and yeah. I think that was a real positive, too. That three-point shot, I almost fell out of my chair. Uh, and credit to Jaime Hawkins, who I think <laughs> we're probably going to get to here in our positive yes. takeaways here. But he's the one that assisted Bam Adebayo, and I even tweeted during the game. I was like, if Jaime is getting Bam to shoot threes in the flow of the offense, right. then I'm all in. Like, let's go. Like, let's get these going. I know he missed it, but I don't even care. I really don't. Um I love that you brought up the mid-range stuff with Bam because it's such an important part of his game. A couple of years ago, he had a problem with all the Rudy Gobert's, all the Brooke Lopez's, all the Joel Embiid's. And last year, he developed that kind of mid-range free-throw line jumper to kind of counter that, right? All these guys, all these big centers are going to play drop-style defense. They're going to hang out by the rim, and they're going to give that 15-footer, that, that free-throw range jumper, they're going to give that to him. So he perfected it, and he basically did. He was shooting it on almost a 50% clip. Um, what was the next step after that? Right. And I think we're starting to see that instead of, I will say this about Bam, a little bit of a finesse player when it came to getting that mid range jumper, right. He tended to kind of, even when he would put his elbow into somebody, he would still take a step back and almost fade away with that mid range jumper. The difference now, and this is a very little thing, but it's a very important thing. The difference now is he's going to put that elbow into somebody and he's going to do it again. And maybe he'll do it a third time. And he's not going to fade back. He's not going to go back two or three feet. He's actually going to stay where he's at or even go a foot forward. And that's the thing I noticed, especially in that Minnesota game against Gobert, is instead of these 12-footers, he's taking eight-footers. And he's making them, man. 
He is making them. He is averaging 22.7 points on 48% shooting this year. Those are career highs, like by far. Yep. If he averages that for the rest of the season, the Heat are in real good shape. Like that, that is such a difference. And I give so much credit to Bam, even though he did take that one three-pointer. Everybody just sort of looking at this from a basketball nerd perspective and just being like, you got to take threes. Everybody's got to take threes. He's got to take threes. Everybody's always got to take threes. He's like, no, actually, I'm just going to get better at this thing that I've been working at. This is my main counter as a big man against a, a, an undersized big man against other oversized big men. Uh, this is what he's been working at. He's perfecting it. He's getting better and better. He's developing those counters. Uh, I think that's huge. And it's may, maybe my biggest takeaway from the first week of the season is the fact that he's gotten that much better offensively. Again, a small thing, but a very important thing. Yeah. Uh, my next positive, uh, Nikola Jovic starting. I think he was really, really good in his game against the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, just pushing the pace. Look comfortable with his first shot just seconds into the game. Let fly a three-pointer. Look really good. Only finished tonight with eight points, uh, but he also had 11 rebounds, four yes. assists, and a steal. Awesome. Just very dynamic. And, you know, we had talked to him, and he told us, you know, the confidence is at a different level after the FIBA World Cup. And then he kind of, you know, you were expecting something to pop in preseason, maybe for him to kind of make a push for more playing time. That didn't really happen, kind of nursing an injury, not getting a lot of opportunity, didn't really stand out much. And then he's not really much of the line in the lineup uh, against the Detroit Pistons. And you wonder, oh, well, has he fallen out of the rotation? Has he done something to jeopardize his standing with Eric Spolstra? He gets to start with no Kevin Love, no Haywood Heisbeth, no Caleb Martin, no Jimmy no Butler. Yeah. I guess I got no choice. I got to play Nikola Jovic. And he winds up really performing well. And I think he's made a strong case yeah. for why he should continue to play well. Like he was guarding well, I think for the most part, the defensive lapses were not evident to me. He was boxing out, pulling down boards, anticipating timing on those rebounds was excellent, especially against seven footers in Nas Reed, you know, uh, Kat and, and Gobert. So I, I think that's a huge step for him. Yeah. If he can continue to provide that kind of balanced yeah. offense and defense, I think he has a really bright future. Uh, I love the role that he played in that game. These yep. were his first real minutes of the entire season. And and yeah. it was like, all right, like right, you're out of the rotation, and now you're going to start. So good luck, buddy. Uh, and by the way, everybody's seven feet tall, team that you're playing. So like, have fun with that. And he did. He had fun with it, right? He was a he was a plus six in this game. By the way, the only starter outside of Jaime Hakez Jr., who was a plus six, the, uh, he started alongside Lowry, Bam, and Tyler Hero. You mentioned all the guys that were out already. Um, I love this game from Jovic. Those 11 rebounds might be his season high. We might have already seen it. You know what I mean? But this is a guy that averaged like three rebounds per game in the FIBA World Cup, uh, like two rebounds a game as a rookie. Like this is not a guy who rebounds the ball. If anything, this was sort of like the, okay, if he's not going to be able to rebound, can he really play? Can he start next to Bam Adebayo? Can he play next to Bam Adebayo? All these 11 rebounds is huge. I love the role that he played because those three-pointers that he took, two for four from three-point range against Minnesota, all in rhythm of the offense, all catch-and-shoot stuff. Don't ask Jovic to do too much right now. He's a very talented player. But if he's basically that third, fourth option, just kind of getting those kickouts, making those open threes, he had some nice cuts to the basket, the rebounds, like you mentioned, like do that stuff. And then the assists, the assists all came sort of like in the cyclical sort of function of the offense. All right, pass, pass. All right, now I'm passing it. I don't think he really did anything to necessarily like quote unquote earn those assists. It's not like he's running the high pick and roll, driving to the middle of the teeth of the defense and then kicking out the shooters, but I don't really care. Like I don't want him to do that. I just want him to just be in the offense, be a cog, but also be a dynamic cog. And I thought he was to your point, a very dynamic cog defensively. There were some times I noticed like guys, even like Jaime Hawkes, honestly was like kind of pointing them in the right direction. 
He kind of got his foot tangled, his feet uh, tangled up a couple of times, but that's okay. I don't really care about that stuff because I know the more he plays, the better that stuff will get. Um, yeah. It is interesting that he's not part of the normal rotation when guys are healthy. I don't really know what the answer to that is. I guess that's a sort of separate podcast that we'll probably have to do in these next few weeks when we start to see what a healthy rotation looks like. And I don't imagine Nico is going to be a part of it just because of numbers. But uh, I was impressed with what we saw uh, from him in Minnesota. Do you have any other positives? I think you hinted at it a couple of times, and Jaime Hawkins is just Let's continuing to provide a spark. Ah. Uh, yeah, he's, he, he looks good. He gets there. the horn, man. I'm all in. I am all in on Jaime Hawkins Jr. as a real rotation player. Are you all in with me? I'm getting there. I, I think, yeah, yeah between him and Jovic both. I, I, I wanted I think... to play the horn twice, and that getting there is not a horn. That's not a no, horn answer. It's not it's not horn worthy. Uh yeah, I, I like I like both of them. And I, I wonder, like we're talking about different potential rotation lineups and things of that sort. Like, I mean, their their fast paced lineup with him and Jovic out there, that could be a real possibility when you really want to push the pace and everything, because both of them do such a good job pulling down those boards and just they're gone. They're not waiting, they're not stalling. No Kyle Lowry look aheads, no Jimmy Butler slowly mm. walking the ball up. It's mm-hmm. just immediately kicking into transition yeah. and, and it caught. Minnesota off guard a number of times. So I wonder if that's something that uh, Spo will try to incorporate more often. The Jaime thing that I love too, is they're running that UCLA set for him where he gets the ball and I'm just calling it the UCLA set. I don't know like basketball terminology enough to tell you what sets are called what, but I'm calling it the UCLA set because he said he ran the set at UCLA and that's enough for me to make it a nickname Um, where they give the ball. They just like dump it to him in the low post. And then you've got Duncan Robinson curling off, but usually it's a Thomas Bryant. A couple of times it's been bam, a Thomas Bryant screen. And then he either decides to kick it out through a passing window to Duncan for a three-pointer, or if that's not open, just take it himself against a mismatch down low and just use that footwork and that post game and, and the pump fake that we've talked so much about already um, to his advantage and go and, and try to get a bucket that way. I love that they're running that for him basically every game now. And then yep. the cuts against Minnesota, like just so well-timed. I mean, this guy is like ready to go out of the box, NBA rotation player. I'm all the way in. He just does stuff. You know, David, I love guys that do stuff. It's my favorite. It's my favorite basketball skill is doing stuff. There's a lot of yeah. basketball players that don't do stuff. They just react to stuff happening. He does stuff. And I think that's huge. And I think the Heat need more people that do stuff. Speaking of doing stuff, Tyler Hero doing a lot of stuff for better or for worse. Well, you and I are very split on this. And that's I don't know that's that's shocking that that it's that shocking to longtime listeners of us. But uh, we're going to have our Tyler Hero debate coming up. After this, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Uh, daily fantasy sports made easy. It's so simple to play. You can make your picks and submit any entry in less than 60 seconds. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. You just go against their projected numbers and you make your picks, and you, if you win, you cash out. That's it. It's that easy. Price Picks offers weekly promotions that could lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, Price Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. So make sure to download pricepicks.com slash LockdownNBA. Go to pricepicks.com slash LockdownNBA. Use the code LockdownNBA for a first deposit match of up to $100. Let's go to pricepicks.com slash LockdownNBA. And don't forget to use the code LockdownNBA for a first deposit match of up to $100. Pricepicks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Can I just say, I told everybody on this program last week, take Tyreek Hill, his projection at 89.5. 
I said bet on him beating that projection. 112 receiving yards against the Patriots. I told you then it was free money. Wait until later this week. I'm going to give you another prize picks projection once we have some more information. But I, I have been on it all season long. So listen to me when we start talking about prize picks. I mean, I nailed it. Good win against the Patriots today, David. Was it? I mean, was it not? 31 to 17. Yeah, it got a little heated in the, in the end there. but uh, It did. That injury closer. is uh, still waiting on news on that. Thanks for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Make sure you are subscribed on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. All right, we're going to dive into the negatives here, although I find this as a positive. You and I, before we even started recording here, just peel back the curtain on this thing, are already disagreeing on what it is that Tyler Hero is doing this season. And I know that this is a hot topic on Heat Twitter and all these things, and everybody's got a platform and something to say. I mentioned doing stuff. This Heat team so desperately needs guys to do stuff. You know what? Before I even get into my spiel, you tell me. Why is this a negative? Because we're getting into the negative takeaways from the weekend. We already hit the positives. Bam. Jaime Jaquez, Nikola Jovic. I would throw Tyler Hero into that positive. But you're, you're, you're lumping him into the negatives. And I think, a lot of, I think a lot of our viewers, a lot of our listeners, are also viewing what Tyler Hero has done through three games as a negative. I'm going to give my counterpoint in a second. But you go ahead. Just lay out your case. I, and I for all the David heads out there, give me the case. It's, it's, I don't even know how – there is no positive case to be made. Like, at this point, you sound awfully Stanish when it comes to your takes on Tyler Hero because I understand somebody's got to take those shots, but you don't have to take those shots in particular, and that's the problem with Tyler is that he's taking these shots. Now, I rewatch a lot of them. They don't seem on the surface to be bad shots, but if you're looking at them in context of the game – they're rushed you know, on some occasions. They're open, perhaps, but that doesn't mean that there isn't a secondary option that could be a little bit easier. He's looking off Thomas Bryant, who was basically scoreless in his opportunity against Minnesota. Uh, he's looking off other players to look to get them going as well. And I think more importantly, he's not drawing contact, and he's not getting to the line. I said this against the Detroit Pistons, and that was evident against the Minnesota Timberwolves as well. He had a bounce-back game of sorts against the Boston Celtics. But I think overall, he's just has continued to take a lot of shots and he's not getting to the line. Now, my problem is that when it comes to Tyler, because of his lack of physical gifts or tools or whatever you want to call it, the overall lack of athleticism, when he gets those open shots, he has to take them so quickly. At least that's his mindset. But if he just takes it a half step slower and waits for the defender to get there, I think he would be able to draw contact much more easily, especially if, as we've seen many NBA players do, lean into that contact, absorb it, and then Flop if you have to. Sell the contact. Grunt. I don't care. Do something to make the referees put the onus on them to make those calls because that's what we see Jimmy Butler do. We still see Kyle Lowry do it, and he's 105 years old. We still see all these guys do it so effectively, and I hate that I'm calling for this, but Tyler, if you're going to shoot 34% or worse for the year, at least get to the line six or seven times per game. That's that's just There's no excuse for what he's doing out there if he's not going to be able to at least balance the scoring out to some degree. His scoring is woefully behind Everybody else that's leading the league in field goal attempts, he's leading the league in field goal attempts through three games, and his scoring is well behind the next people in terms of like where he ranks. And fourth, he, I think he's fourth overall in field goal attempts per yes. game. Might be okay. Fourth. So way too high. De'Aaron Fox is third, is way above him. Luka Doncic, who we know gets a lot of calls, well above that, leading the league in points per game. Like these are just things that Tyler should be doing more effectively, especially now as he's entering year what four of this experiment, year five. Like I, I mean, awesome. he's. 
He's got to be doing better. Like, I mean, I know this is his fifth year. He's got to be doing better. Like, that's, that's all there is to it. So, I I understand that he should be shooting better than 37% overall. I get that. And he's only averaging 1.7 free throw attempts per game. He's also not getting calls. To your point, should he be flopping a little bit more and stuff like that? I guess maybe that's the next level of this. But I want expectations to be fair of Tyler Hero. And he shouldn't be asked to do what Damian Lillard was supposed to do for this team. And unfortunately, this team needs somebody like Damian Lillard. And Tyler Hero, I think, has taken a leap. I have noticed a difference in his game that's better than what it was the last couple of years when he was averaging 20 points per game. I think he's a better player right now. And unfortunately, that's just not enough. But I don't really know what else he's supposed to do. First of all, defensively, he's much better. He's jumping these that's passing fair. lanes. He's holding his own. He he has actually been stopping dudes defensively now, like one-on-one -on -one yes. in isolation defense. That, to me, is huge. He's found a way. He's found he's found his voice on defense. I talk about this a lot. Like, where do you, how can you find your voice either on offense or on defense? He's like, okay, I'm going to jump passing lanes in transition and things like that because I'm athletic enough to do that, even if I'm not athletic enough and big enough to guard other big wings and big guards. Um, so he's figured it out there offensively. I think he's doing all the right things and I hope he keeps driving to the basket. Cause I think eventually he'll start getting these calls. His drives per game are up from 10.7 last year to 13 per game this year. He's averaging, uh, 2.7 shots in the restricted area this year versus 2.2 last year. Like all these numbers are career highs for him. I think these are improvements. They're not the improvement. They're not the, this huge leap from, Hey, Tyler hero top. 70-ish, 60-ish player in the NBA to, hey, we need you to be Damian Lillard now, top 20 player in the NBA, but they're improvements. Um, I think it's going to work out. My biggest problem is, yeah, like we could talk about whether or not he's taking too many shots. I don't think that's his problem. I don't think it's his fault. I have told, I've said this all, in, all along. Are there shots that he's forcing? Absolutely. There's a bunch of notes that I have here of, hey, he dribbled into a two-pointer when he should have just taken the open three. He did look off Thomas Bryant a couple of times. He did look off, you know, X, Y, and Z a couple of times. Whatever, man. Like, I don't expect him to be a perfect player, but I need more from Jimmy Butler because, by the way, Tyler Hero's not even leading the team in shots. That's Bam Adebayo. Bam Adebayo is leading this team with 22 point or, or 22 point in points, 22.7. He Tyler is actually leading the team in shots with 22.3. I'm sorry. Yeah, but what's the but, difference? We just talked about the positive with Bam. What's the difference between Bam? And I know I'm, I'm interrupting your, your, your spiel no, here. It's fine. What's the difference between what Bam does in order to lead the team? In He's, more He's, He's more efficient. He's more efficient. He's all the shots with the, the basket. Bam is not initiating nearly enough in this offense. He's not. He's averaging 2.3 assists per game. I need more from Bam as an initiator, and I just need Jimmy to do something, dude. And honestly, like I'm sure this is probably be part of your negatives, and we can get into it kind of partly here, but I know he didn't play in the preseason, and he does not look like he's in regular season form right now. And I actually think he probably screwed the pooch a little bit by not playing in the preseason at all. Like, this yep. guy needed to do something. He does not look like he's in regular season shape. That first game against the Pistons looked like a trial uh, run if I had ever seen it in a regular it he felt like he was playing a preseason game in that yeah. game uh the Celtics game what did he go like two for 11 or so it was like his his efficiency was terrible he did yeah. he wasn't getting any lift on his shots this guy does not take efficient easy looks already like all of his shots have a certain degree of difficulty that are higher than Jason Tatum and even Jalen Brown and these guys so he needs to be in like peak physical shape to hit these shots, and he's not. He's shooting 31% overall. He already rested the first back-to-back -back set that the Heat had in Minnesota on Saturday night. I'm not like I'm not saying this because I'm worried about Jimmy Butler. I'm just telling you through three games, he has not been Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler has been what? Miami's fifth best player through three games? 
I think it's that's hard to fair. even make that case. Yeah, it's hard to even make that case considering he sat out the, the Wolves game. Um, yeah, like because he's, he's not okay. doing anything and because right. Bam is going to be an efficient shot maker, Bam's not putting up 25 shots a game. It's never going to be his case. So who's taking shots? Kyle Lowry took zero shots in the first game, right? He only barely, he started barely taking shots in the last two games. Like somebody's got to do something on this team. I Look, we, we talked about it before and I want to go back. I agree with you 100% about Jimmy. He needs to be out there. He does look rusty. I have no doubt, however, that he will continue to get there. And if there's going to be a positive about it, he's still getting to the line even when that shot's not falling. And I know maybe that's not something that a lot of people want to hear about because it's ugly basketball, but it's also efficient and effective basketball. And I think that's where the difference lies between him and Tyler Hero. What's, what is it that Tyler can do to get to the line more? Because I keep really do it. think there's something to... Not, just not just you got to earn them. No, refs, it's a reputation thing with these officials, man. Like, you I, just I think that's part of it. it. Yeah. I think that's part of it. it. But I think it's also, again, I, I think there's something to the fact that he's got, when he gets that space, because he's going to get his shot blocked, because he's undersized or whatever. I mean, I think there's there's legitimate concerns that maybe he's just not athletic enough to be able to create space whenever possible. So when he does get that space on those step backs, he's letting it fly right away. I think he just needs to slow it down. Just maybe a small maybe. incremental slowdown but where he gets a defender up in the air. What's What he's doing now is better than what he did last year, right? Like last year I, it was, let me get five feet away and then I'm going to push up a little floater. Now he's at least getting to the basket. And you know this, right? Like there's a few calls that have not been called, that could have been called and probably should have been called, that haven't gone his way. I think he needs to just keep doing it, man. He's going to earn them and he's going to get them after a while. Like that whistle will come. It will. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's, right, it's let's, just, it does uh, not look. It does not look like it's trending in the right direction. How about that? No, I think you're. No, you're definitely right about. Okay, what can I do to sell this contact? Do I need to slow down and really put my shoulder into this guy? Like a hundred percent, you're right about that stuff. But what I'm saying is, how much can we really expect? Because last year it was these push slot floaters, and now he's at least getting to the basket. I think this stuff will come. He's going to learn those cadences and things like that. He'll eventually learn how to get these calls. I just think he's taking steps in the right direction. And just unfortunately, the Heat need from that position something that he's not ready to give, but I think he's on his way. He's just not ready to do it right now. So I, I will say, if I can add up to that too, I will say a lot of the shots he took, honestly, they're all quote unquote bad shots, but he hits them. So I don't, it's hard to differentiate when it's a bad shot for Tyler if he's not looking somebody off and if he just happens to have the space or he's open for a bit. Because he he does tend to make these shots regardless of the degree of yeah. difficulty. That's just who he is. Like you know, there was a couple times against the Wolves where like the shot was blocked, or or let's say it was off a rebound, and he just he's in transition, pull up three. That shot should not be taken. Oh, it goes okay. It's like a, a no, 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 yes, you know, kind of shot with Tyler. It just always is with him because he just he takes bad shots, but he makes bad shots, and that's just kind of who he is. He's shooting score. 38% from three-point range, which is better than he's shooting overall, so I don't have the two-point percentage numbers pulled up here, but it's obviously worse than that, and so yeah. he needs to figure out, like, okay, I've got this new two-point diet. How do I make these shots at a more efficient clip? Um, yeah. All right, let's look ahead to tonight's game against the Milwaukee Bucks. We talk about the algorithm coming up after this on Locked on Heat. Today's episode is also brought to you by FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. And right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get on the action, especially now with the start of the NBA season. The app is so easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, 
player props, over-unders, and so much more. Go visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL and NBA seasons. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL and NBA. Thanks for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Follow us on your podcast app. We will be back Monday night with a recap of this big game against the Milwaukee Bucks. But to look ahead to this game against the Milwaukee Bucks, David, it's time to go to the algorithm. Lockdown Heat tells you what to watch. We are putting together your recommendation list here as the algorithm does. Uh, David, what are you watching for in tonight's matchup? I think I have a I'm sense hope- of where you might want to start. Well, I think Jimmy Butler, first of all. I think that's a, a huge thing. I want to be able to see Jimmy Butler have a bounce back. If, he's, if you're going to take off the game against the Wolves because it's for rest, and it's obvious that you're taking a, a night off first and back-to-back back back to back so he's taking off. He's just yes, doing it. I, and by the way, I'm sorry to interrupt, but we, it's at least enough of uh, a news. Spolstra basically saying this is not the plan all season long. We're going to take it week to week. Sure. Should we do an old segment, buy or sell on that? I am selling that 100%. I don't buy that at all. Yeah, he's resting every back-to-back, basically, until the end of the season, unless they really need a game. Um, and I haven't even looked enough ahead of, uh, at the schedule to see if there's anyone uh, that late in the season. But, yeah, he's this dude's resting. So if you're sitting out against Minnesota, fine, whatever, you better come back and have a monster game against yes. the Milwaukee Bucks. There's just too much at stake. So you kind of crap the bet against the Boston Celtics. This is another chance to kind of re- reestablish – where you are in the Eastern Conference pecking order. Yeah, they've got Dame. Yeah, they've got Giannis. It doesn't matter. You've got the Eastern Conference Finals MVP and Jimmy Butler. Time for him to have a big game. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that's definitely what I'm looking at for first and foremost. Um, I actually thought the Heat played really well against Boston. Just Jimmy Butler didn't. Yeah. Uh, if Jimmy Butler has an average game, the Heat win that game. And, and that's that's a done deal, you know? And. Yeah. Uh, I know they lost that game. I thought they played better than they did against the Pistons on Wednesday, right? You you and I recapped that Pistons game. We were like, yeah, they won, but like, mm, you know, yeah, that was sort literally. of the vibe, right? You know, yeah. and so uh, after that Celtics game, I was like, actually, I feel pretty good about this team now, even though they lost against the Celtics. And then that Minnesota game, that fourth quarter. I mean, the Heat have been outscored now. If we want to, you know, uh, another negative that I had that we didn't get to. Yeah. They've been outscored by 25 points in the fourth quarter uh, through three games. Not ready to signal the alarms on this one i'm like not playing any like bells here but it's just right. something i'm monitoring it's this was one of the best fourth quarter teams in the league last year uh, i think they had the fourth best uh point differential in the fourth quarter last season that was a big reason why they even made the play in tournament because they were not good for the first three quarters like it was almost the opposite this team is like blowing out teams in the first three quarters and then they're sort of just like oh yeah there's a fourth quarter we didn't realize that <laughs> it's sort of their approach to these first three <laughs> games it feels very similar to the pattern, the cadence, to use your term, of last year too, where they like they always got off to really good first quarters, and then they kind of let their foot off the gas when the reserves come in, and right. then they're kind of just basically hanging tight through the next two quarters until the fourth quarter comes around, and they do just enough in the last five minutes to either eke out a win or make it very close. That's why they led the league in clutch games. That's why they were one of the teams with the highest yeah. amount of clutch games in NBA history. Uh, I think, unfortunately, it's still going to repeat in terms of like the the pattern for this season. Well, the good we'll news see. is that the second unit is better than it was last year already. That is, right? a good point. and and so um and, and they're going to get guys back. Like Josh Richardson hasn't played. Hayward Highsmith has not played. Caleb Martin has only played one game, and he was very clearly very not bad. ready to play, and that's why he missed the next two games. So they're not going to rush these guys back once they're healthy. I think it'll be a little bit better. Again, 
not sounding the alarms on that fourth quarter thing. Just something I'm looking at. It's been too small of a sample size right now to make too many uh, uh, huge takes from that. But in terms of what I'm watching for, I yes, Jimmy Butler, back to back. You rested, come back, play better. Uh, first round matchup. You know they're going to come at home ready to avenge that first round loss. There's going to be a lot of energy in that building and a lot of energy from Giannis in particular. Um, they need to match that energy in a way that I'm not sure they've had so far this season, especially from particularly Jimmy Butler. The other thing I'm watching here from a tactical standpoint is that dude that was supposed to be on this team. How do they guard huh. Damian Lillard, right? <laughs> like that Damian Lillard, Giannis pick and roll. I don't know how much bucks you've watched early in the season. I've watched both their games. I think it's a little clunky. It's working because they're both super talented, but it's still a little clunky. That's something that they're going to be working on in Milwaukee for all season long, right? Between now and April, they're going to be working on this two-man game, building that chemistry. Um, we obviously remember Jan, uh, Damian Lillard taking over in their first, uh, taking over in the first game uh, with that game-clinching three-pointer against the, the 76ers, 39 points in his debut. How are the Heat going to guard that two-man game, that pick-and-roll that is supposed to eventually be unstoppable? Bam Adebayo, in particular, I think mm. is the guy to guard this because he could switch on to Bam or he could switch on to Dame. And I think he'll be just as good doing either one, put him in the middle of that. And I think the heat actually could blow some of those actions up because it's still sort of in its clunky phase and they're figuring it out. If they could sort of disrupt that thing early on and kind of grind the gears of yeah. that pick and roll, I think the heat have a real good chance of winning this game. And that's probably their best chance of doing it. This game comes down to Bam out of bio doing like defensive player of the year stuff. And by the way, David, this is where the Defensive Player of the Year campaign starts. You get the narrative of, hey, I'm going to lock down that dude that was supposed to be my teammate, and I'm going to lock down the guy that might be the best player in the NBA right now in Giannis. I'm going to disrupt this vaunted pick and roll that everybody's been talking about. I'm going to do that. This is where it starts. Is there any chance, I don't think we've heard any updates other than, you know, just they're still out, but is there any chance that Caleb or Haywood or Josh might be available. I, of those three, I would say Haywood might be the most likely. And, and Caleb prob probably, might, I think. Probably. You think you'll get? Okay. Uh, I, I'm also looking forward to seeing, honestly, Jaime Hawkins. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I don't think Haywood is, uh, just uh, finish that up. I, I I don't think the Haywood-Highsmith thing is happening. It's not been two weeks yet, I don't think. Has it? Gonna, no. Is it not? I'm so bad. Yeah, I think it was a week. I think it was... The week, the day before, you know, remember they play. They their first their home game was Wednesday, and I think oh, yeah. he was. We might be like right. We might be the right there. Mark. They yeah, might so save we'll him see. from when he comes home on DVD. Wednesday, but yeah. yeah, it'll probably be that Wednesday game. To your point, that's a good point. Uh, but we'll see. Yeah, to your point. I, I want to see. Look, they're 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 getting beat right now by the Hawks as we're recording this. They're down seventeen. So the the clunkiness of that offense is certainly there. But we know what the Hawks are like. They're fast. They're young. They want to get up and down the court. Quit Snyder's got them going at a pretty high level now that he's got a full season, a full off season to work with that team. I'd like to see some more of that kind of fast pace to kind of challenge the Bucks mm. a little bit. Now they're also missing Chris Middleton in this matchup against the Hawks. He'll be playing on Monday against the Heat. Right. I wonder whether or not somebody else in the Bucks might sit out, whether or not they might sit out. I don't know. That seems kind of unlikely. I don't know if they'll rest Giannis or to prevent any this kind of be the throw. first time the NBA like coming comes down and it's like, okay, we had this rest policy in place. Like this is a big matchup, right? This is uh, ESPN, isn't it? Yeah, uh, but people oh, no. are, are people are upset because of Joel Embiid, like the home opener in Philadelphia, and he's sitting out tonight. So, I at what point does the do the players kind of force the NBA's hand and somebody's wrist gets slapped just enough? Because I don't know, we haven't seen it yet. 
but it's it feels like it's coming. It's starting to kind of blow, blow up, especially after you know we saw Bradley Beal miss the first couple of games for the Phoenix Suns, and that was kind of anticlimactic. And I think a lot of people are starting to already go, oh, what's this new policy? It's not really working. People are still sitting out games. And I think we're going to see something happen. So I, I don't know who's going to be out there for the Bucks, But for the Heat, you know, if they get somebody back to provide a little spark, that'd be great. But otherwise, with the young players that they have on this bench, I'd like to see them, again, push the pace, do what they can to create transition buckets, kind of, you know, try to get away with some easy baskets without letting Milwaukee's defense settle in and things of that sort. And, and if you know what, nothing else – Attack Dame. Get him in pick and roll all day. Yes. Try to do what you can to force him into a foul. Get him out of the game if he's available, if he's playing. Um, quick note. that's It's not a nationally televised game. My mistake. But um, uh, Tyler Hero, I expect him to also have a big game. He's been looking forward to this Milwaukee oh, series. Right. Obviously, he's from Milwaukee. No, I'm just interested to see, like, okay, is it going to be like, let me take over or let me feed to Jimmy, let me feed to Bam a little bit more. And I just, I need Jimmy to do more here to take more off of Tyler Hero's plate. I understand that Tyler's job here is to take more off of Jimmy Butler's plate in the regular season, but the balance, like the the, the percentages just haven't been right so far. So they got to figure that out. The Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, my turn, your turn offense, it just hasn't worked right now, and they need to hash it out. And and that's another thing that I'm looking for here too. Um, All right, we will have a recap for you after tonight's game against the Milwaukee Bucks. For now, thanks for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Follow us on your favorite podcast app. You are locked. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.